Welcome to the newest episode of Rank Heresy. Today, we will be discussing Tom Riddle. <laughs> At least one part of Tom Riddle. This ended up being multiple episodes, but apparently it's what the people want to hear. So we're going to talk about Tom today. Who doesn't want to talk about Tom Riddle? Also, I should just mention, yes, we mean Tom Riddle, a.k.a. Voldemort. It's just that we usually refer to him by the name Tom Riddle and not Voldemort, because a lot of people make that distinction. <laughs> yeah, I guess that will... Uh... That will inform you that things will be, might be interesting right <laughs> off the bat, that we do not make that distinction. It's the same dude, guys. Yeah. So Tom is introduced to us as just the ultimate evil. He is the Sauron of the Harry Potter books, who lurks in the shadows and is always plotting various ways to kill Harry. When he is not plotting various ways to kill Harry, he is killing other people. He is the plague, runs around killing people, and is so terrifying that you do not even speak his name. It is the visiting world that has these general, almost superstitious fears of him. When it comes to more personal knowledge about the man, we get it largely from Albus Dumbledore, with a few sources as Horace Slughorn, who knew him, we have his Dachitus, we have the insights that Harry gets into his mind. And that's that, that's it, I think. Of course, there's J.K. Rowling. But J.K. Rowling <laughs> says a lot of funny stuff. So you just have to sort of tune it out like white noise. And we also, as we noted in our introductory episode, which I'm sure none of you actually listened to, uh, this podcast is not about taking the author at their words. We pretend they don't exist and we don't listen to a word they say. And I'm sure what we say offends them greatly. Yeah, we're like the teenagers saying, you can tell me what to do to the creators. The stage is my life, mom. <laughs> Back to our sources. Our main source of this is going to be the Half-Blood Prince when we start getting those flashbacks in the pensive. And um, Tom is doing actually really innocuous things such as working retail. And he doesn't actually do anything in the scene we see. And then Dumbledore afterwards will tell us, what evil thing he did immediately afterwards or how what he was doing right there was evil or he'll be 11 and he's in a room and he's evil or he's applying to a job that he doesn't get and it's evil. On the one occasion where Harry displays empathy with Tom Riddle, Dumbledore immediately rebukes him. Harry is appalled that Merop didn't fight harder to live and Dumbledore says, and I quote, could he possibly be feeling sorry for Lord Voldemort? To which Harry replies, no. And then Harry is to explain himself. He was just appalled Merop didn't fight. Dumbledore proceeds to explain how sometimes women choose to die in childbirth. And we are left with the takeaway that you shouldn't feel sorry for Lord Voldemort, even in such circumstances as his mother being too depressed to live to raise him, because he's Lord Voldemort. Dumbledore's point with these lessons is supposedly to show that Tom Riddle is human and here is how he ticks. And what he is constructing is a subhuman concept that isn't deserving of empathy at any time. Dumbledore has an agenda. We talked about this last time in The Power of Love, but we're going to hit it again, is that he has a very clear reason that he's doing these lessons. It is that he is dying. He knows it. He has very limited time left. He has set Snape up to kill him. By this point already, Snape has made an unbreakable vow that either Draco will do it or he himself will do it should Draco fail. And he needs Harry Potter to die. Ideally, he needs Harry Potter willing or able to do it by his own hand. And this has to be after Dumbledore himself is dead. He has to leave all of that to them. 
And he needs to do this because he knows Harry is a Horcrux. And for Voldemort to be defeated, Harry must kill himself. There's not much time. Dumbledore has to convince Harry that any future in which Voldemort is alive must be prevented at any cost, even his own life. He has to be the most evil evil to have ever existed so that Harry is willing to do this great sacrifice for the good of the country. What we were getting at there is that we have very little insight into Tom Riddle as a character, and it's cut from very biased sources who have their own reasons for saying what they do. So uh, we get to go a bit left field with what we actually think about him. And what do we think about him? him the uh, bottom line up front is that he's a nihilistic sad sack who doesn't believe a word he says and just wants to blow up his own ridiculous country by setting them up to destroy themselves. Uh, this doesn't make him good. We're not that people. No, guys, this isn't a Dumbledore is bad, therefore Tom must be good. He does awful things. He leads a terrorist organization that murders many people, we are told, uh, whether we see these murders or not is a different story, and he murdered a baby this one time, and his organization stands for this blood purism ideal which is horrible to get into why we think this is that for a villain who supposedly wants to take over the world he is just remarkably bad at it and he's supposed to be brilliant you know he has a brain and yet he makes these not even rookie mistakes but these kinds of decisions that look to me to us more like self-sabotage he is completely inefficient he will drag his feet for months upon months for such simple tasks as stealing the Philosopher's Stone or springing his staff videos from Azkaban. In Deathly Hallows, he has won the world's eyes fingertips. And what he does with all that power is that he is just throwing himself into this hunt for Harry Potter. And he doesn't even do that effectively. He's just traveling around on the European continent looking for a special want. He has one of Harry's closest friends, Luna Lovegood, right there in his dungeon. Doesn't use her. Rest of Harry's social circle, they're at Hogwarts in the borough. Easy to find. You could have taken hostages. Could have killed Muggleborn's by the hour in Diagon Alley until Harry turned himself in. He could have put Harry's loved ones under the Imperius so they would sell him out should he get in touch with them. He does none of the things a supposedly ruthless wizard would do, just as he doesn't go after any of the kids of non-members of the Order. Instead, he's just traipsing around on the German countryside. And I think the best example of this self-sabotage would be the Battle of Hogwarts. Not only did he not participate himself, even though he's an extremely powerful wizard who could definitely have made a difference in that battle, he didn't sneak into the castle to get his Horcrux while everyone was distracted. His side was doing rather well. Harry's side were dying en masse, and Harry himself would either die in the battle or flee and be known as a coward and no longer be the symbol that needed to be destroyed. Voldemort just needed to sit back and Harry would be destroyed one way or another. And what does he do? He offers a ceasefire, one hour when everyone can tend to their dead and their wounded, and Harry can turn himself in so this fight can be over. And this ceasefire, of course, leads to his enemies rallying and putting up a much better fight against him later on. And you could say it was a strategic mistake. And you could say it was a strategic mistake. But we're going to go ahead and say that he didn't want the slaughter to continue, and he used Harry Potter as an excuse to call that ceasefire. Another example of Tom avoiding bloodshed would be Xenophilus Lovegood, who prints things in his paper that are damaging to Tom's cause. And Tom's response is to take Luna hostage. And yeah, that is a very bad thing to do, and it definitely uh, was horrible for Xenophilus and Luna. But why didn't this bloodthirsty and ruthless villain just kill her or her father or both? 
she's not useful and she's not used for anything. She's not turned to the dark side. She's not tortured or used as target practice. She's just chilling in that basement, not getting killed. Fred and George, known friends of Harry Potter, who make toilet jokes about Tom in their shop window in the middle of Diagon Alley. They're placing themselves in the line of fire, and yet he never goes after them. Of course, they closed their shop in Deathly Hallows, but he had every occasion in Half-Blood Prince. They were not in hiding. And if it was just one instant, one person he neglected to hurt, it would be another matter. But this behavior seems strangely consistent. Hostages, it doesn't take people he doesn't hurt, like the Battle of Hogwarts, the Lovegoods, the Weasleys, any of Harry's friends or loved ones, Hogwarts students, just so many kids of the order waiting to be taken out. He never does it. So um, the villain I like to think of, and nobody I'm sure will have seen this from our audience or maybe like two people, is that there's an anime called um, Now and Then Here and There. It's uh, fairly old now, but it's very good. And the villain is a man by the name of Hamdo. And Hamdo is an excellent villain who has gone utterly mad. The consequences of his actions are devastating to his people and to others. And they are also completely erratic. He will change his mind on a whim. He will make his underlings do these pointless tasks. He will, to a prisoner who he has captured, he will be hot and cold. He will try to woo them in one minute and then be threatening them in the next. You cannot predict what this guy is going to do next. And that is a mad villain who has over the top amount of power. And that's not Tom because he's not doing any of that. We don't see that erratic behavior from him or even the devastating consequences from him. Yeah, in Half-Blood Prince, we are told that there are zombie armies, dementors everywhere, muggles, muggle-borns, they're being tortured, so many people are getting murdered, and you never see any of it. There is not a single person, you know, talking about a zombie attack. You don't have people being dementors kissed by the scores. You don't have... In, in Deathly Hallows, yes, there are people who are losing their wounds and all that. But to my recollection, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that Tom is actually, you know, uh, dementors kissing or killing people. He just takes their wounds, breaks them, and off they go. It's unclear. Uh, we have that trial where the dementors are present. But it's unclear what's going on. What is clear, I guess, would say is that take the beginning of Half-Blood Prince for a while, for a bit. Voldemort is acknowledged as back. He started ramping up his attacks. Everyone's terrified. Only two murders are ever mentioned. Bones and Vance. Those are the only two we hear about. People are terrified that these have happened. It's just two. And it's people who were who needed to be disposed of for him to progress. They were not needless murders from his own end. I know that's a weird thing to say about murder. Bear with us, people. <laughs> what I'm getting at is he had a very clear reason to attack these two. They were not muggle-borns. Yes, and you have the Weasleys, who, as I mentioned earlier, are a very easy and very obvious target, but they're simply left alone. Arthur gets attacked at one point because he was in Nagini's way. That's it. Fred and George, they have the um, shop where they make merciless fun of Voldemort, and it would be so easy for him to make an example of them. He never does. And Ginny course, he... also is, she's in Hogwarts. He knows she's Harry's girlfriend, or at least he knows that she's a Weasley. She's Her parents are all in the Order of the Phoenix. Chances are she has connections, and she is the sister of Harry's best friend. He has access to her. She is never taken hostage. Mm-hmm. 
just when you look at the list of confirmed victims for Voldemort, it's oddly small, the list of names. And it, it must be said, yes, the population is small, but you don't hear, you, you hear singular names. You don't hear, and then he killed a dozen people. Peter Pettigrew does that. Voldemort, there's not a single full-on massacre that's ever described, which really leaves us with the option that he only kills those he has to, those that are necessary. And we also told of uh, these disasters in the Muggle world that, uh, you know, he's collapsing bridges. There is a minister who now thinks he's a duck and there was a hurricane out of season. And, okay. <laughs> Was that it? Yeah, we open Half-Blood Prince and the uh, minister is bemoaning it, but there's never mention of a sky-high death toll. This minister acting like a duck is brought up in the same sentence as this out-of-season hurricane and then the bridge collapsing. There doesn't seem to be a huge death toll or a huge even injury toll that has occurred with these actions. It's just, it sounds like uh, Baltimore's teenage recruits high on cocaine goes, going to cause mischief in the muggle world. The Death Eaters are pranking the muggles. That's what it sounds like. And yes, it's bad, but, you know, it doesn't sound like anyone is getting massacred by the dozen. It basically, what we're trying to get at here is that it doesn't sound like the Voldemort we are described, who is the ultimate evil and who will cause mass devastation to the muggle world, to muggle-borns, as soon as he has the opportunity. He has the opportunities in the book. For three of the books, he has the means to do this. He doesn't. And it's mm -hmm. very strange. And one last example that we will bring up is the Battle of Hogwarts. Because yes, there's carnage. The, the final is carnage. And Voldemort then cuts off the carnage. He gives his enemies an hour to regroup while asking Harry to surrender. And this turns the tide of the battle. The Death Eaters were winning. Harry wasn't going anywhere. Tom could have had his Death Eaters win, march in, get Harry... And instead, he chooses to give Harry this opportunity to save everybody. Was he perhaps doing this because he didn't want everyone to die? Because it really, both in context of his other of, of his record and of the way that battle, uh, he wound up losing that battle because of this decision. It was a very strange moment. And also strange was that, you know, granted, this was parading the corpse of his enemy about the thing, but... What he does immediately after killing Harry is he parades around his corpse and says, look, everyone, your hero is dead. Please go home. Yeah, that stop fighting. Speech. It's it over. Is, stop fighting. <laughs> it's over. We're done here. And then it devolves because it turns out Harry shouts up, we are not done here. The battle continues. <laughs> we're off to the races again. Uh, so then there's the question of, well, isn't he a blood purist? And Honestly, we don't think he is. He says he is, but he is putting on this very dramatic show that's meant to appeal to his blood purist audience. He has all this ambience. Lord Voldemort is a character. That's how we see him. Tom Riddle is always playing a character when he is Lord Voldemort. There's a matter of what reason he would have to be a blood purist. He was a muggle-born himself, for all anybody knew. Nobody knew that his mother was Murrup Gaunt. He had a muggle name, muggle background, he would have been discriminated against in Hogwarts. And indeed, we do see that when he gets out, when he graduates, the only job he's able to get with his incredible grades is in retail. 
in a Granted, and uh, I know people will bring this up, is that he's working in an antique dealer, and that could be seen as very high-end, except he's in a bit of a sketch antique dealer. He's in Nocturne Alley, he's not in Di Diagon Alley. And it seems that his looks are his selling point more than anything else. We see him at work, and he's going to an old lady who he has been flirting with to get her to buy stuff from his uh, employer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a job that... Well, first off, it's a job, period. You know, he has to be employed. Lucius Malfoy has jobs that are not jobs. The truly rich do not have jobs. That's for the, the poor folk and the muggle-born folk, like Tom Riddle. Like What we're getting at here is that the muggle-born society, or the pure-blood supremacist society, has done him no favor. He deserves, after his hard work at school, to get a proper job, to advance economically. He doesn't. And the question is, why would he want to propagate the system that discriminated against him? And you could say that, oh, yeah, yeah but people do that. They have internalized uh, exphobia. But I see him as very proud and wouldn't forgive the visiting society for viewing him this way, for treating him this way. And he certainly wouldn't adopt it like, oh, yeah, I guess they're right. So it seems, and his actions, they all lead to the destruction of the pure blood families. He takes their sons and he just turns them into, well, they do act like crack addicts. Yeah. <laughs> they do. With kind I've... of it's minor theory here that he was giving them drugs. I would believe it. I believe they're all addicted to cocaine. <laughs> it was the time period for it, too. It was the 70s. He'd have access to it. Yeah, like the victims of his campaign on both light and dark side are the purebloods. The great houses are completely devastated by him. So uh, take a look at the black family. The black family is completely wiped out by him. You know, Sirius Black was his enemy and then died. Tonks married out. So, or not Tonks, Tonks' mother, Andromeda married out, married 10 Tonks. So she's sort of off the table. But then you have uh, Narcissa via Lucius. She's gone because of what happened. You know, they barely survived this. Bellatrix dies without a child. Regulus dies in a zombie cave. The family, whatever money they did happen to have, whatever estates, whatever they had, it is gone by the time he is through with them. Um, also gone, the Malfoy family, he does his darndest to destroy them. And they know it in the books. They even talk about it. And I think it's because, and it probably is in part because of what happened with the diary and then with the prophecy and how uh, Lucius was personally involved both times. You have him targeting the McKinnons, the Pruitts, pureblood families. Again, the if he was a pureblood, yes, and the Potters. If, if he and was a pureblood supremacist. Wouldn't he be sparing at least the kids, or like the younger generations, like Marlene, who was the same generation as James? Wouldn't he <laughs> be killing the Muggle-Bones and the Half-Bloods first? Give the blood traders a chance to, you know... God, what is... Redeem am, themselves? Yes, I am failing at English tonight. Well, it's the ones that are his enemies, that are the purebloods, and then it's also the purebloods that work for him, that are devastated by the consequences of this. The entire governmental system seems to collapse because of this. They almost have to rebuild from the ground up and you get a whole new generation of people who shouldn't have all been hired in those positions all at the same time. You know, you get Hermione gets to be very high up in the ministry, presumably. 
And she very well probably would not have gotten that position had none of this happened. All right. Tinfoil hat time. This is where we're coming from. Is that our ideas, once he has taken over the wizarding world, the first to go are going to be the Muggleborns. They're going to lose their wands and they are no longer going to be able to practice magic and the purebloods are going to feel great about themselves. This is going to be great. And then the half-bloods are probably going to go. They're going to lose their wands. And that's still good because they're not purebloods either. And then it's going to be the and then the blood traders who are purebloods, but they're on the wrong side. So that's okay. And then the not good enough followers or the followers who are messed up. And then no one's allowed to practice. Then it's the purebloods. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, this entire society just collapses. Worth mentioning that the wizards we see, yes, they can do the most talented ones can do some wantless magic, but that is they they depend on their wands. Take the wands away from the wizards, and they're muggles. So it seems to us that he's trying to destroy the wizarding world in the long term and in this non-violent way. But that is our theory. Well, our relatively non-violent way. You guys crackhead. know what I mean. Yeah, I hope we do. Yeah, crackhead Death Eaters, and then. Just the slow degradation of rights for everyone and the destruction of this society completely. Mm -hmm. And just all of it burns. Yep. It's all gone. And by then, they won't be able to overpower him. There won't be anything they can do about it because they have no wants. And those who would have been their allies have no wants either. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure somebody's thinking this. Aren't you looking a bit too deep into this? So uh, let's do a little bit of real talk with JKR. I know we typically avoid it, but let's get into it. She hates villains. She is very much like a Marvel movie. Like she, okay, she, I guess she has to have a villain. All right. Here, you, you guys, you have a villain. He's blue. Or in this case, he doesn't have a nose. I got your villain. Are you happy? Do I need to do anything more with him? I don't, I don't think so. So, yeah, so the villain shows up and be afraid because they're scary and powerful and the stakes are high, but don't be that afraid because don't worry, they're never going to win and this person's ugly and the only people who actually listen to them are evil themselves and no good character will actually fall for their ploys and the closest you're going to get is Percy who doesn't believe Dumbledore. And Percy later comes crawling back to apologize. So sorry he didn't believe and there's a whole convoluted nonsense where Arthur made him turn down a promotion because, oh, they only promoted you to get to me. And then Percy is vilified for saying, no, let me have my job, damn it. Oh, yeah. If so, you guys want an example, then, um, then the oh, newest yeah, movie of the Fantastic Beasts is a very good example of this because Grindelwald, he's supposedly on the rise. He's going to become bigger and badder than ever. And then he doesn't. Because a holy deer decided that he was not as worthy as Dumbledore or this other candidate. A holy deer gets to decide. And now Grindelwald sits and cries and he loses all the momentum that he has had of the past three movies. It's just, it <laughs> genuinely seems like J.K.R. could not let her villain win. Even when it benefited the plot. Empire Strikes Back, she could never have made that movie. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Oh no. We would have had the cryo-freeze machine just malfunction and then Han Solo shoots Darth Vader. Don't worry, guys. Well, we could never have a new hope because she'd never let Palpatine have a Death Star. He'd, he'd have a Death Star 
And like, it might almost shoot something down, but we learn it never actually shoots anything. And it just kind of sits in space and then it gets blown up before it can do anything. And of course, Anakin wouldn't have fallen either. It, it might have been a Severus Snape and uh, he was good the entire time. He would not have fallen. <laughs> yeah, he had some secret deal with Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan tells Luke about as a force ghost. Yeah, just had to <laughs> cut off his limbs and lit him on fire. All part of the plan. All part of the plan. God, that is exactly what happened in the Harry Potter. Yep. <laughs> it is as if it, on Mustafar, if there's this secret deal where Obi-Wan cuts off his limbs and sets him on fire to make it, you know, make him the perfect double agent, sends him off to Palpatine to be this miserable husk for years. And then 20 years later, it's revealed he was a double agent for reals the entire time. And if it sounds super stupid, then don't question it. Don't question it. <laughs> yeah, so that's what JKR was really doing uh, and what she really intended by all of this. But again, we have our theories of like, I think he was trying to destroy everything. And mm. he was, uh, for trying to do what he was saying he was trying to do, he was really bad at it in yeah. a very consistent way that oddly worked towards other goals. Mm -hmm. And it is worth mentioning that this is for another episode, but the man seems consistently very self-destructive and suicidal, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, but you just have a bag of cats in there. So yeah, that's he's... a bag of cats for a different episode. There's a lot mm -hmm. of bags of cats for Tom Riddle that we just do not have time for in this episode. Oh, yeah, he has so, so, you guys many cats. so many cats, so little time. Another day. <laughs> All right, mm -hmm. bring out Torgrim. I will. So for those of you who do not know and don't follow us, is we have a Patreon. You can support us. Please do. One of the perks, among other things, is that you uh, get your name on a list and uh, we run a random number generator and you get a shout out if Python's random number generator, nicknamed Torgrim for reasons, selects you. Hooray! Well, uh, Torgrim blows up Rivkale. Oh, again! Again! Wow! Giving French yeah, like... run for their money, huh? Yeah, that, yeah. Huge run for their money. Wow. Congratulations, Rivkale. You are now not even chunks anymore. You're a fine mist. Yeah, you've been blown up so hard. I am so, so sorry. Yeah, so we really that, like I... you as a patron. You're, you're fantastic. Yep. Yeah, uh, support us on Patreon. We have a Tumblr where we announce stuff, which is mostly just that the episodes came out, if you guys want to follow that. Or you can send us questions there. And uh, let's wrap this up. You gotta do it through the AskBox, because Tumblr is a malfunctioning website that no longer allows DMs to be sent to rank heresy. It's a oh horrible website. God. <laughs> yeah, I said just send it the box. They have not fixed it. I don't think they will. All right. Nope. All right. In case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.